I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, listeners. First of all, I wanted to thank you all for the response to last week's episode. As always, the support you guys offer Dad and I is really incredible. And likewise, if you yourself feel like you're needing a bit of support, there are a lot of organizations you can reach out to, including Standby Support, uh, and you can get in touch with them at standbysupport.com.au. And they offer support to anyone who has been impacted by suicide at any stage in their life. Now, one more thing. At the beginning of last week's episode, Dad spoke about an incident that he witnessed while out walking in Sydney. Now, given his history in the emergency services, he was led to the conclusion that this incident may have involved death by suicide. And as many people within the community are now aware, this is not the case. Rather, what Dad saw was actually the result of a terrible accident. And we just wanted to send our thoughts to everyone affected by this incredibly sad situation. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, the podcast. I'm Paul Verhoeven, my dad is John Verhoeven, and last week we talked about bullying and death by suicide. We're going to be doing it again this week. If you are susceptible, if you're feeling vulnerable, or if you're triggered by that stuff, that is totally fine. It's an intense topic and it brings up lots of stuff. And if you are feeling like you want to talk to somebody, we've been really pushing two particular services. One is Lifeline and their number is 131114, or you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 Three six, Dad. Obviously, the episode on Friday was a big one. How did it feel talking about this stuff? Well, I actually, um, I was, I had sort of a slight tremor. Like I, I'm, I, I was cold when we did that first interview, mm. um, podcast. I remember feeling a bit, um, sort of. Well, I found it pretty stressful, right? Because it's difficult talking about um, people that I know. Yeah. Um, and I think we finished off from memory the last episode where I was talking about the two guys in my class that had uh, taken their own lives. You hadn't actually mentioned the second one. I'm very curious as to who the second one was. Uh, well, he was a firefighter. Right. So there was the there were two guys in my class, obviously both yeah. firefighters. There was mm. the guy from... Um, oh, shit, I've got to be really careful. I don't say anything more about them. Just suffice to say that they both... Um, but one was sort of more local, put it that way, on the right, northern okay. beaches. Okay. So I worked on the northern beaches as a firefighter for pretty well 10 years, um, as everyone knows. And I was a relieving firefighter, so I got to work all over Sydney. But um, but when I realised that um, we were going to be really talking about a lot of this heavy stuff, I um, I began to, to go back through my, my memory of, of firefighters that I worked with just on the northern beaches of Sydney. Yeah. And the, and the New South Wales Fire Brigades is a relatively small organisation compared to, say, the police force. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I say this to the listeners with great um, 
with great concern and also with great sorrow. But in the 10 years I was in the New South Wales Fire Brigades working on the Northern Beaches, um, I know of six firemen that took their own lives. Six on the Northern Beaches. Unbelievable. Now, I think that that statistic, and I've tried to do research. I've really tried hard. I can't dig up anything that kind of backs that up. But if you talk to any firefighters on the beaches um, from my era, you know, they can... um, And the, and the, the scarier thing is that there may well be firefighters from the beaches that I don't know about that took their own lives. Right, but even more scary is that I don't think the northern beaches of Sydney is unique to any other part of Sydney, which then makes me think how many firefighters in New South Wales have taken their lives. If I know six, that's a damning, uh, that's an indictment. Um, Those are pretty big numbers. I mean, if there was any other profession with... Because the thing is, I, I guess I sort of just assumed that being in the fire brigade would, if anything, have less trauma than the police force or these other fields. But what is it that you think the fire brigade brought to the table that mm, was uniquely... Great question. What pressures? Fantastic question. It's such a great question. And it's, in my opinion, it's got nothing to do with or very little to do um, with the... Uh, got to be careful how I put this. Yeah. But I th- I'm quite sure... It's got nothing to do with the work. It's the lack of work. It's the incredible boredom. Right. It's the days, the weeks, maybe even the months if you're a specialist, like a ladder driver, where you just don't, you don't have that, you've got so much time on your hands. Yeah. And when a whole group of guys, and it's now guys and girls, the girl factor could be really positive. Maybe that's changed the whole psyche within the station um i hope it has but when it's a bunch of guys that are living with each other for 50 hours a week you know it sort of punctuates and accentuates all the idiosyncrasies um because you really get to know them really well um because you're you're sort of you're all sleeping you're eating uh you're cleaning you get you 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 just you're with them and uh, and I guess you're also participating occasionally in very high stress situations. Very, very, yeah. and that and that in itself can be like the police force and the ambos. And there there'll be ambos out there that are going to say, you know, they've experienced bullying within that organisation. And we are getting a lot of people from the emergency services reaching out with some pretty intense stories. A lot, so clear, a lot. This is clearly a very unif- like universal experience. Oh, yeah. without a doubt. Do you recall, Paul? Do you remember that I was friends with a, a paramedic uh, on the Northern Beaches? Um, he was he was a really nice guy. I'd actually gone to school with him. Right. And he was actually boarded out of the New South Wales Fire Brigades. So, shit, sorry, of the New South Wales Ambulance Service. Yeah. He was boarded out, medically unfit, because he was bullied. So. Really? And he ended up, he was a cot case. He was bullied badly. Um did you ever see the bullying? Like, what kind of stuff? I mean, not that I'm saying that there is bullying that should or shouldn't, 
you know, be stuff you are able to take. That's not how it works. It's 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 all very indiv- it's it's down to the individual person, and you know, no bullying is okay. But do you know what kind of stuff this person went through? No, I don't know what particular because um, I got to, to know him. I, I knew him. I went to school with him, and I knew him as a young, like in high school. Uh-huh. I got to 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 see him as an ambo, and he was really brilliant. Um, he did come round, and he may have even taken new kids for a drive in an ambulance. Oh. when you were very young. But I got to see the aftermath of his life um, after he'd been uh, boarded out medically unfit and he was heavily medicated and he was a shadow of his former self. Yeah. And I found that really upsetting. But there was bullying in the fire brigade that was uh, that was rampant. Um, up at uh, Crow's Nest Fire Station, there are these, um, these big old-fashioned um, sort of their, their, their pits, concrete pits, yeah. And they've got these big metal tops that come down that seal them off. What are they used for? Well, after a big fire, you would get all the hose and you'd um, put all the hose into these big pits and you'd fill the pit with water. And then you'd basically, it was like a huge washing machine, you'd, but you'd use sticks and you'd just soak the hoses until they were pretty clean. You'd then drag them all out and then you'd tie them onto what's called a hose whip yeah. and you'd drag them up this Telegraph pole. Forgive my ignorance, Dad, but why would you need to wash a hose if it's already got water coming through it? Oh, uh, well, you've got the the inside where the water travels, but the outside they're made of like they've got a sort of a canvas effect. Sure. And particularly if you've been in bush, it gets very black and sooty. Oh, okay, okay. And you just want to want to clean it. They they don't use the pits anymore, to my knowledge. What they now do is at the end of a big day where there's been a massive fire, massive yeah. fire, they just connect all the hoses up link them all, create this massive sort of like a snake with however many hose lengths they've got, and they then hook it up to a hydrant. They then put a, um, a branch on one end. They shut shut the branch. They charge the line, which means simply get water in it, then shut it off so it becomes rock hard. Mm-hmm. And then all the crew just get out there with uh, brooms and they hand scrub, wipe down, brush down, wash down the outside of all the hoses. Mm-hmm. They then hang them up, and then after a few days they then... Um, stow them back on the appliances or in the in the room that keeps the spare hose. But what I've touched on there is are these big pits, and these pits um, back in the nineteen seventies. And I've I've spoken to firefighters that worked back then, and these are first hand accounts. So I've had them corroborated occasionally with young firefighters. And this is the bullying thing. They would actually get young firemen that were vulnerable because not all firefighters. Um, would like for example if they had have tried to do this to me i would have just i just wouldn't you know look they they, they pick their marks bullies tend to go you know they're not going to pick a, a first grade footballer because you know the, the first grade footballer will will throw them up against a brick wall and and tell them well look you're not going to do that to me but yeah. if you're a pretty sort of Gentle vulnerable soul. person they'll yeah. do terrible things and one of the things they used to do at crow's nest is that they would um get young firefighters and they would put them into the pit full of water and then close the uh, the lids down on them and leave them there. Fuck's sake. Yeah, in pitch black, wet, shitting themselves. Now, that's, that's torture. But what, yeah, what the fuck is that meant to achieve in terms of the actual, like, how do you then expect that person to have your back? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're if you're meant to work along, I'm sorry I'm getting angry, but if you're working, if you work alongside these people afterwards, how are you supposed to trust them hmm. in a life or death situation? Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. No. So that's one of the things that used to happen. Another thing that used to happen, you mentioned, or I mentioned to you, the hose whip. Now, you've seen these hose whips, haven't you? It's like the telegraph. Telegraph pole. And they've got ropes and they, they've got a wooden bar at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you, you sort of disengage one piece of rope that's the, the, the wooden bolt, like a, it's a wooden bar and it's got a, um, a two grooves in it. Mm-hmm. And the rope sort of is pretty safe inside each groove. But you, you pull the rope off at one end to then slide all the hoses on. Then you put the rope back on and then you haul it. Now, if, if there are a lot of hoses and they're, they're wet, you can have, it can take a few fireys. Next time everyone's driving and sees a fire station, keep your eye out anywhere in Australia and look for the telegraph pole in the backyard or more than likely in the backyard of fire stations and uh-huh. you'll see them. And, and if you're lucky, you'll see hoses hauled aloft really, really high up, super high, maybe, golly, two or three stories up. But what they used to do at various fire stations in Sydney is that occasionally they'd tie firemen to the hose and drag them up, which is on many levels incredibly dangerous, frightening. And if you actually look at these hose whips the way they're made, it would have been really easy to just for the whole thing to, to break and the fire would come down and be killed because they'd land head head first in the asphalt. So that was another thing that used to happen. I'm only talking about Crow's Nest because that's where I've got this information from. But that happened prior to me joining the New South Wales Fire Brigade, thank God. But then there was that time you may recall, the listeners may recall, when I was a young policeman at North Sydney and we used to parade at the back of the uh, station and there was this um, probationary constable and it was his first day. You know, remember this story where... We were all lined up and the sergeant grabbed this young kid. He was 19 or 20 and he was really kind of, you know, sweet, I guess is the only word. And he just spun him around and he threw him up at, and up and over the, the Coke machine and simulated sodomy. Yes, you did. And that was his first, day in the, his first day at North Sydney Police Station. So I know the sergeant and I know the, the victim and I just sort of stood there aghast I mean, how old was I? I was, God, I was 20. And I thought, shit, this is, but, you know, it's uh, institutional. And also, um, of course, we all know about the military. Um, you know, there have been incredible things. When I, you know, um, and the listeners know that I was with St. John's Ambulance for a while. You recall that? I faintly recall gasping when you told me, yes. Yeah, well, you know that, um, well, you don't know this story, but they also had an, an initiation. We went on this uh, camp, um, and I was I was super excited, and I'd got wind that they were going to initiate. Uh, and it was all boys. And um, have you ever heard the term blackballing? No. Yeah, where they'd um, pull your pants down, they'd hold you down, and they'd get boot polish, and they'd blacken your testicles. And that's called blackballing, and that was an initiation with St John's Ambulance back in the 1970s. Now, they never that? caught me because I, I I'll tell you, I'd been pre-warned and I could run and I always managed to avoid it. Thank God. Uh, this actually leads me to a point, Dad, um, because obviously bullying is not the only reason people, you know, die of suicide or, you know, it's not the only thing that pushes people. Sometimes everyone's got different brain chemistry, different social uh, things going on, different family things. There's all sorts of factors. But specifically, the thing I think we're leaning on here is the fact that in the emergency services um, back then, and maybe still now, there, there is a certain like 
mentality, a certain clickiness, a bit of a boys' club, and that can lead to bizarre shit like hazing. No, it's and totally like bizarre. That. There's a well-documented case that I'm going to touch on. I don't want you to sort of freak out, but okay. it has to be told. So I'm mm. going to tell you and the listeners right now. Okay. There was a firefighter that I worked with at um, Crow's Nest. Yes. Um, he was erudite, eccentric. He went on to become an officer. And I really liked him. He really liked me. We got along really well. He was fascinating, to say the least. And um, But he had, a, he had a deep, dark secret that I didn't know about. And that was that um, he'd been anally raped by three firefighters at Central Police Station. Uh, Central, oh, shit, you know, headquarters in the New South Wales Fire Brigades. Now, you notice how I don't <clears throat> sort of pull any punches and I don't hesitate. And I'm not going. Oh God, this is a this is heavy. God, can you actually say stuff like this? Well, yes, you can because it um <clears throat> it was dealt with and it was it, it made the the newspapers. Mm. Now this particular firefighter, he ended up in a mental institution after he'd been um, anally raped with a uh, with a uh, a broomstick. Now the three firefighters involved, um, as is often the case in organisations, they they were promoted. Which is great, isn't it? I mean, that's what you do with 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 fuckwits. You promote them, and one of them. Um, now, I don't need to use names, which is great, but I'm just going to tell it how it is, and you're not going to know this story. But my, I'm, I'm not going to say a lot about um, what, what I'm about to talk about. But I'll tell you this: your he was bullied so badly that it it, it was it was horrendous. And he was in in the fire brigade. Yeah. And he um, he took big legal action against the New South Wales Fire Brigades and won, thank God. But it, it basically ruined his life. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But what I will say is that was bullied so badly in the brigade and one of the bullies was one of the fuckers that anally raped this fireman with a broomstick. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. And I was talking about it yesterday, 
um, because I have to pick the right time to chat about these things because it brings back terrible memories. The he said the irony, of course, is that 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 guy that had done those terrible things and then had bullied, he died of bowel cancer, and this guy was a serial bully. And I witnessed bullying in the fire brigade um, at what are called outstations, just quiet stations on the northern beaches, where you, if you were at a big station, you had to do what was called watch room duty, where you yeah. actually had to have firefighters in the watch room 24-7 because they had to monitor these big transponder boards, which is where the, the, the automatic fire alarms come through. But you don't have that stuff at the outstations like DY, all, all the quiet stations around Sydney. You just don't have... I mean, a fiery on the, will have what's called the morning or the afternoon watch duty where they'll come in and they'll just sign the book, make sure everything's fine, and then they just carry on and do what they do. Right. No one ever stays in the room. But I went to DY Fire Station one day and there was this particularly um, kind of, he reminded me of one of my cousins. He was just a really, really nice, quiet, unassuming, gentle, just a, a really decent guy. And he was sitting in the watch room. And it was about 11 o'clock in the morning. And I said to him, I said, what's, what's, like some people would just hang out in the watch room for fun. They weren't, they could go and, you know, come and go as they wished. But this particular guy told me that the officer, in charge, who was the same guy that from the previous two stories, mm. this same officer was was psychologically torturing this poor fireman and he'd told this fireman that he had to stay in the watch room from the beginning of shift to one in the Arvo, which was called the first duty. And this poor guy, he just he was sitting there by himself in this little sort of Edwardian watch room because the officer had was a was a prick isn't that a that is so and i and i just thought i just said to him i said this is just this is not right but these bullies um they weren't just psychological this particular guy wasn't just metering out psychological abuse he 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 would physically abuse you now that's that is that's heavy and i have seen i've seen firefighters um you know thrown up against walls in fire stations and I hope it's changed. Probably has, but I have a. Um, um, yeah. I'm very curious as to whether you, because I was bullied and you weren't. I'm very curious as to what it is about you that that turned bullies off. You know, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just because one of the key things that I've tried to explore in the books is why we are so different, and I guess one of the key ways in which we're different is that uh, you weren't bullied. I'm very curious as to why you weren't bullied. Okay, when I. Um joined the fire brigade they always and to a lesser degree the police force but particularly the fire brigade because they had nothing else to do you know for 99 percent of the time mm. is that they would give everyone a nickname right and um they tried to give me i mean i've jested and joked about you know the odd nickname but a proper nickname and it was usually derogatory so they tried to give me a nickname um and then one day there was this urgent um message had come through and they got and they used my nickname over the pa over the you know the PA system yeah. that sort of echoed throughout the entire fire station, and I just uh, I just stayed in the gym. I ignored it. And oh, like you didn't you didn't answer to it. Didn't basically. answer to it. And then one of the guys came over and I said, "Well, you can go and fuck yourself." Uh, who, who are you talking to? That's not me. And I made it really clear, really quickly, that you either call me by my name or I'm never. I don't. I don't come. Yeah. And that's what I did. And but I had the balls to do that. Um, but, but 
I've witnessed bullying and I don't accept it. And, um, you know, it's, I, I, I think it's, um, I don't know how these bullies... Um, I mean, were they bullied as as children? Well, of course, then you can say, well, okay, why don't you be a man and draw a line in the sand and say, enough's enough, and stop it. That This is oh. your golden opportunity to change the course. And, I, um, um, I was bullied and I haven't... I, I will never bully anyone. I no. don't give me, I'm not. I'm not perfect, and I'm sure I've been guilty of you know some antagonistic, bitchy behavior or whatever. But I don't bully people. It's because I was bullied, and so I know what it's like, and I would never want to inflict that on other people. Mm. But yeah, I I, um, I think it's um, it's a it's a curse, yeah, and inexcusable. And um, but you know, Paul, um, I attended hundreds of suicides. I've been to the morgue. Well, I used to go there between one and two days a week, um, every week to, um, in fact, in fingerprints, we had a special day. I think it was a Tuesday and maybe a bit of Wednesday. Mm. And those were the days when fingerprint technicians would go to the morgue at Glebe and their sole job, my sole job, was identifying people. And we've gone into in the past some of the techniques we used. Yeah. And re- you may recall the time I had to, um, or we had to, you know, get the, the young boys, um, you know, remove his entire epidermis in the form of gloves. And then one of us had to put the glove on and then the other guy inked us. And you very rightfully, and, you know, you said to me, oh, Dad, do you, I think you said, was it you or do you, re- do you remember who actually wore the, the human glove? And I, and I genuinely, I've thought about it since and I have no recollection. Yeah. I have no idea. That's how traumatic it was. And the thing about trauma, Paul, with people in emergency services, I mean, if I had to sort of think about the three services, I would definitely, look, the police have got a prick of a job in that everyone, not everyone, but look, it's a, it's a tough gig. Yeah. You know, a lot of people yeah. actually, they hate police or dislike immensely. But there are so many great police out there. But in my experience, and I was in forensics, so I got to, as is going to be mentioned in your, this exciting book coming up, it's people are going to experience some of the, the shit that I experienced. But I, I mean, there are people that work in um, emergency, like, you know, in, in emergency departments, in hospitals. Mm. The trauma. And, and, and Ambos, paramedics, you know, they go to a scene and um, p- people are in pain if they're, if they're still alive. And I just think that's... And then, you know, how on earth do emergency service personnel just go home? Now, I've, I've been banging on a fair bit recently... Um, about how I compartmentalise things. And, I, and that's my coping mechanism. I had to visit my father two or three days ago for the first time in a nursing home and because of COVID-19, I couldn't go in. So my mother was inside. So mum's gone um, into the into the little room and as a surprise for my father, she sort of opened up the curtains and there I was standing there in this kind of car park garden. But the problem was that the window could only be opened a few inches. So, and the cold air was blowing in on my poor dad who was sitting there with a blanket over him. He's only been there a few days. 
his primary question to everyone is, when am I coming home, which is tough. And I couldn't really see, I mean, I had to shout at my father, but to shout at my dad so he'd hear me, I was sort of at 45 degrees, so I wasn't looking at him. But then when I looked at him, he couldn't hear me. And I just, I felt miserable. And then I walked back to the car and then I thought, and then my brother called me and um, my brother who'd been to visit my dad the day before was sort of saying how traumatic that was. And then I just, I used, I used that thing that I do as my mechanism to cope. And that, and that is that I, um, I got in the car in my ute and I just, it's like I drew an invisible box around that experience and I just placed the box up on a shelf and that enabled me to then function for the rest of the day. Because I, you know that I'm involved. I've got some pretty full-on businesses where I've really got to be keyed in and I can't be an emotional wreck when I go to, to clients' houses because it's very exacting sort of work. So I've learned to, uh, to just put things in boxes. I don't put things in boxes, might I add, and bury the boxes. Okay. Well, no, because you open like one of the things about this show is it's proven is that it's very healthy for you to open those boxes and air that stuff publicly. Mm. So, and I think it's really important um, to be able to talk about these things. And, and, and as an aside, Paul, to this whole thing about people that look, anyone have you? One thing that really, really I find very upsetting, and I don't know whether I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, but. Can someone please explain to me why people almost react in anger and blame towards the person that's taken their life as to, oh, how selfish they are? Well, can anyone imagine the the most, the darkest, deepest, blackest hole and you can't see any way out? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's no malice. I'm sure people are not going, oh, yeah, and, and everyone I leave behind, they're all going to be so pissed off with me. But it, so I think apportioning blame, and I've heard lots of people do it, and I, I've never been able to come reconcile that. I think that's because for someone to take their own life, they must be in such a terrible place. I have also, Paul, I have I knew a guy in Manly mm. who was the loveliest, sweetest, most cheerful. He was just a nice person. And every single morning at coffee, there he was. And I found out later that he also had taken his life up at North Head. Um but one thing that I will say to people is that you have to look out for the signs and one of the signs is all of a sudden the person that appears to have been very, very upset and down and forlorn and miserable is extremely very happy. Becomes very, very and I'm not I'm sure this isn't the case all the time. There's obviously exceptions, yes. But I have met people Mm. and interacted with them in the 24 hours leading up to their death. And when they have got everything um, in order, they then 
they take the ultimate um, you know step and how and and the methods of um and I, I want to make it quite clear during this whole discussion that at no point am I, am I focusing on the methods because we've talked we've spoken about methods of how people um, take that their own lives yeah yeah and there are as many methods as there are people and some people think about it mm-hmm. and plan it and that's a problem for me and I think one of the problems I think I mean you can't ban rope and rope is a technique but I don't think it's healthy having access to firearms there have been a lot of police in Australia on duty who've taken their own lives at work with their service revolver. Yeah. I know of cases where police have been working, they've heard a gunshot, they've gone into the locker room or the toilet and their colleague is deceased. <sighs> Fucked up. Yeah. And then spare a thought, and again, this is not a blame situation by any stretch, but... Spare a thought for the poor, poor police that have to go and inform the family that it's just, it's beyond the pale. Yeah, it's Um, terrible. And that's why counselling is really important. It's super important, and it's it's super important to talk to people and to reach out to people and just try and be understanding and educate yourself. And these are all really you know, important things. And obviously, Dad, one of the things that we've been really encouraging people to do is to reach out to... If you don't feel like talking to someone you know, there are organizations in place ready to help you. And the two that we've been, you know, really giving big ups to are Lifeline. And if you want to call Lifeline, you absolutely should. Don't feel bad about it. Just give them a call, 131114. Or you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224 we think it's a really important cause dad and i really care about this organization we care about you know this issue and i guess dad i just wanted to say thank you for you know feeling comfortable enough to open up and you know dive into this stuff i know it's pretty challenging but yeah i think we've i think we've covered a lot of really important ground is there anything you want to say in closing well of course in a way there's a funny there's sort of a bleed through isn't there with all our different discussions and our live shows and the book and there's there's a thread traveling through and i think um after these two episodes paul um i think that thread is going to continue on through into the next season yes because i will be talking about a lot of this stuff and quite specifically um it's going to be sort of an expose on the uh on the funeral industry and i mean i've seen a few documentaries over the years and i would describe them as uh, very tame compared to what we're going to be doing so i think that's going to be pretty intense um yeah but i think it's really important that uh, and thank you paul for um and thanks tegan for um for coming up with this idea yeah behind this, the scenes the concept tegan behind is, the scenes yeah. i mean the, the the work that goes on listeners and a, a big shout out to tegan because she is so succinct and you know she never really gets um her due uh, credit and praise but boy oh boy she's uh she's a great she really manages the show would you say paul to a uh i mean you you obviously do 
She's basically the producer of Loose Units, yes. Yeah, she yeah. is doing like monstrous amounts of work behind the scenes, tirelessly, thanklessly just slogging away. But this was, you know, something that, you know, she was also hugely instrumental in. And all three of us have really made a really conscious effort to try and treat mm. this respectfully. But hopefully we've done the subject yeah. matter justice and hopefully you've gotten something out of yeah. this, everyone. I and, hope uh, I hope the listeners uh, feel that you and I have been um, have, have done a, a decent job on this particularly uh, sad um, topic we can, you know, with some feedback perhaps. And we're doing a loose ends later this week. So if you have any questions for us, hop onto our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash loose units and send us a message. If you want to, you know, send us feedback, let us know what you think, ask us some questions because very, very soon we'll be diving into Dead Serious, which is season four of Loose Units and it'll be all about dad's time running a funeral home. So as you've probably guessed, things don't get any sunnier on this front. And, but, and also, Paul, to the yeah. listeners, if any listeners out there, and there probably are listeners that are going, John, is it actually possible? Is it possible you've done so much stuff in your life? Well, you know, I'm 60. I'm kind of wearing that with a bit of a badge now because I feel as though in my own mind that gives me a little bit more credibility. Because people have always said to me over the years, it's not possible, you must have lived three or four lifetimes. No, I haven't, but I do pack a lot in to my life. And I just know that when you hear all the stories about the next uh, se- from the next season, it's going to be it's going to be pretty fascinating. Um, yeah. And then, and and you know, let's face it, I you know I went from the uh, the police to work covered to the fireys the funeral industry. So there's a definite thread there. I think everyone will agree. Well, look, it's going to be an absolutely huge season. So we, we hope you enjoy it, but we hope you're all doing okay. Make sure if you feel like you need to talk to someone, uh, hit up those numbers for Beyond Blue and Lifeline that we've given you. And we will see you very soon for more Loose Units. Bye. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.